You are listening to episode 389 of the Rumble Pack, recorded for April 26th, 2017. Holy shit, it's the end of April! Oh, God! Oh! Sorry, every time I look at the calendar, that just happens. Uh, this week, to discuss our impending deaths, are the following. Uh, one, Michael McFadden. Did you say deaths or debts? Because both are true for me. I kind of left it... I like being ambiguous with the words that I say. This cold, what it what it's done is it's produced uh, like quantum state words that come out. Uh, N and M's at the end of words are kind of difficult. Uh, so I just... I'd leave it up to your imagination. And of course... We have the somber, sad <laughs> depression, the cloud of unhappiness that is, but that enjoys it, is it one Neil Wagner. I love being the existential dreadbringer to the podcast. Isn't yeah. it rich? <laughs> <laughs> Aren't we a pair? No, we're going to be quick because we started late. So if we sound rushed, it's because so it'll only be an hour and a half long. <laughs> this is we do we I think we say that every week. It's like a we're tight a tight hour and forty five <laughs> with twenty minutes of content. That's the best part. Just spread wafer thin across the whole thing. <laughs> All right, most of it, most wait, of wait, it wait, wait, wait. Did you say wafer thin? Yeah. How, what do you, you like a mint? How do you say it? <laughs> wafer thin. Yeah, that's what I said. It's the same word. Offer. Yeah. He, uh-huh. Neil keeps saying it like it's different, but he keeps saying the same thing. Right, he's saying the same <laughs> thing. Waffer, 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 waffer. I can just... It sounds all the same to me. Yeah. Now let's talk about news. Uh, the last, the first thing that happened since the last time that we talked was the... This, was, this is how sad the console news cycle has become. This was quote-unquote big news earlier this month. When uh, Eurogamer got the exclusive on the Scorpio specs, the successor Xbox, the mid-step project Scorpio, they they don't know anything about it other than they can tell you. Well, here let me let me tell you some of the sexy. Can they things tell me that, who's naming things over at Microsoft? What the fuck is it? Someone that is it is it someone that tunes in son. Yeah, it's someone who tunes in every Thanksgiving to the James Bond marathon. It's like, yes. <laughs> yes, the yes, best name. This is the direction we're going. I honestly, the, let, let's get real. It's a code name. Uh, I don't know what they can call this thing that isn't going to make the Xbox One branding more confusing. Right? Because you, yes. you have an Xbox One that came out old news. Now you, you're on the Xbox One S. Okay. So uh, now what do you name the Scorpio? What do you call it? Xbox X. What's it? SX? <laughs> For extra sex? Like uh-huh. what is, what is what is you no, can't not XS, SX. You can't do so you'd have to do another oh XS. I get it. No, not well that or that. So that'll be the third one. 
I don't. I just feel like they don't really have a consistent naming here, and I don't think they can Should, do. Time to go to Xbox Two. That would be a real curveball. <laughs> I feel like I feel like if someone pitches that in the boardroom, I would shake their hand. Like that's a fucking baller. Or what? Or do you like one point one better? Or how about how about Xbox Two but T O O? One just, point S two. One point. Just <laughs> All right, I got it. Split the difference. I got it. Everyone, sit down. This meeting is over. It's called the Xbox Vista. <laughs> then we'll the follow Xbox it up. Double one. We'll follow it up with the Xbox Ten. <laughs> Guys, we're digging. We're digging deep into the archives. We're going with the Xbox Zune. <laughs> That would be the ultimate, because you know what? I'd actually be more excited for it if they called it the Xbox Zune. He, Why haven't you... they made a portable system yet? Uh, did you know that there is like a bullshit Kickstarter out there for essentially a a portable computer? Like what would in essence be a Microsoft handheld gaming system? But it's it's essentially just a laptop. But I think yeah. it's they want to sell it for three hundred dollars. So think of what a three hundred dollar portable laptop that would fit in your pocket. Just think about what that would, what kind of games that would play. Fucking nothing. It would play absolutely yeah. nothing. I don't even. It'd be like paying three hundred dollars. I would like a paperweight, please. Kind of like when I bought an EPC. What a fucking mistake. <laughs> Stupid yeah. things. Uh, do you? Do you guys want to hear some of the sexy numbers? Some of the many hertzes and and uh, bytes and DDRs that you'll find in Project Scorpio come this fall. Are you excited for these numbers? I feel I feel uh, like you could th- make up a word to include in this, and I would have no idea if it was a made up word or not. So is this just like a minor iteration on the Xbox One S? Yes. Or is it like a whole new thing? I guess the ultimate thing that really matters is what they do with it, right? Whether or not the like no, if they if, well, no, I, not in in terms of an answer to my question, no. <laughs> well, no, I, I actually feel it it varies, right? Because if you made something, so is there like a an an, an X factor if it were three X or five X or like what what would be the power well, no, I don't, I don't move? Mean just, I don't mean more powerful. I mean like is the software structure going to be different oh right? no no so no is this something that will need some sort of virtual machine to run xbox one games nope it will natively run okay. xbox one games and uh everything that in fact everything that runs currently on your xbox one on this that apparently when you plug it in it'll automatically do a little bit of whatever wizardry if a game has like a floating um uh uh, uh gosh what is resolution where it's not always 1080p or whatever, it'll peg that at the max that that system will let it go. So if it if it can scale up to 1080p, it'll just be 1080p the whole time. Whereas on the original Xbox One, maybe it floats at like 800 or 900p or 720 or whatever the heck it is. So it 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 will just play all well, of them thank, natively. Thank God for that. Yeah, but it it will ever missing. so slightly increase the visual fidelity of them. 
So are they still trying to sell it though? As it's just a <laughs> mid-generation upgrade? No, Neil. They've they've, they've given up on there. selling yeah, it. They're just gonna make a couple and keep them around just for raffling posterity. them off. <laughs> They're raffling them off. They now. gave them to employees. That's it. Well, start but start drinking a... cases of Mountain Dew again. That's how you get your X. <laughs> They're not selling S1. them, but. Point S one, but it is it that's is what I wanted. Question, I want though. it to be Microsoft One S point one S. I want it to be it's the like, Microsoft it's like the old Xbox Windows Phone Seven Phone Seven. Phone. They need that. Well, th- see that really helped Let's them in the phone space. <laughs> Windows Seven Phone Seven. Windows Phone Seven. When I what the fuck was it again? There was it was Windows. Wait, hold on. Windows it was seven phone. It was, it was, it was a yeah, twice. it was Windows seven phone. No, it was the Windows Phone seven phone. Oh, that's what it was. Don't it was worry, because tw- there was Windows seven phone seven. Yeah, there was there was a uh, Windows Windows Phone <laughs> eight series phones. If that made it better. No. Not yeah. Anything. No. Uh, so the Microsoft console one. No, Microsoft Xbox console one S. Point one S console. It's just going to be Xbox 3.X. That's all. <laughs> then it's going to be the DOS box. So get ready. <laughs> Back to a text interface. That would really fuck with oh, people. So what, Neil? Weird. Yes. What was your what was your original thing you're going to bring up? Are they? So I've never. I haven't understood with the bare minimum amount of marketing that's out there. Are they? trying to say that this is just a mid-generation, so to speak, upgrade, or are they marketing this as that this is their next system? It just also happens to play Xbox One games. Uh, They're still somewhere in between. So when they first got out there and started talking about Project Scorpio, they, they posited it as this is a console that is iterative in that it's just a, a, you know, a half leap up and is not a new console generation, but they also at that time stated that there would be no new console generations for them, that they would simply improve the architecture and the games would transfer over uh, and they would be backwards and forwards compatible to a certain extent. And they were really vague about that. And in my imagination, it would be like with your iPhone where once you're like three years out, your phone starts to get shitty and then mm-hmm. stops getting updated. Like, and it's just, it's a subtle hint that maybe you need a new Xbox when you're, you know, you're on an Xbox One and they're on Xbox Three. And the games that come out for Xbox Three don't work on your One anymore, but they do work on the Xbox Two. You know, I just have a feeling that that's what they were proposing. Now, if they're sticking to that, they've been utterly silent on that. And I don't think we'll get any confirmation one way or the other until E3, which is, gosh five six weeks away yeah i'm interested to see what they bring out and how they and how they are trying to differentiate what what makes this upgrade significant what makes it special because it is a different sort of path for them it is realistic realistically when they've done these mid-generation upgrades in the past or later generation upgrades it's hasn't ever been something along these lines it's always been much more in the direction of we're just making it smaller we're making it sleeker use we're less adding, power yeah yeah, yeah it's yeah, going to yeah. use less power we're putting in wi-fi versus keeping it a wired system so on and so forth the the thing that 
I guess the sad part of this all is it, is it feels like like in a, in a kind of sad way in a, in a, in a in a Charlie Brown esque fashion, Microsoft seems three years behind the curve on everything constantly with the mm. Xbox. We they're what they're trying to go for in this one is just to be able to get out there and say we have the faster system things run better on our system. That's that's like their only focus with this thing. It's not to be a forward-looking step for games. It's not to improve their ecosystem. It's literally just to be better than the PlayStation 4 Pro, right? Because the PlayStation 4 was slightly better than the Xbox One. That was a huge problem for it at launch. But now, four years later, it's not the same scenario. But they're treating it like it's the same scenario, where it's just like, if we have a more powerful one will win because three years ago people were like that one's more powerful everyone should get it but there were a whole bunch of reasons that led to the playstation 4 becoming dominant this generation it wasn't just the power and also even if it was just the power three years ago when there weren't a lot of games and it was just a couple third-party games and some shitty launch titles like the power of the system was more important relative to what you had available. It was just the same titles on, on both systems. And one of them looked slightly nicer. So that really, really mattered. But now there's totally different libraries for these systems. And the difference in third party titles is kind of irrelevant, right? If you really love Forza, despite the fact that the PlayStation 4 is more powerful, you have to own an Xbox One if you want to play those, right? That's what matters to people at this point in the generation, not that 10%, 15%, 20%, whatever boost, frame rate boost, whatever it is. Well, I'll take that a step further, and I don't think it's... I think that they're still feeling the response from when they started to roll out the uh, the Xbox One uh, what, four years ago now? Um, because they actually had tried, or they, they were, it was rumored they were going to be doing several things that would have been fundamental changes to system architecture, right? The original idea of there's going to be no, no disk drive on it, that it's going to be uh, only Wi-Fi enabled, I think was another aspect to it. The idea of opening up your library so it's easier to share. And they tried. To, and they they were hinting at these things that were really different and that were going to be make the system very different from what came before it. And there was huge amount of blowback. We ourselves, I think, made fun of that and mm-hmm. noted a number of issues with it. So I think that they're probably feeling a little gun shy on this still to this day. And they look back and I think that they learned some of the wrong lessons from that rollout. Oh, they're I focusing. Agree. They're focusing now, as you said, really just on the on the raw power aspect and talking about how powerful the system is. And I'm sure there's also feeling that that's important, considering that Sony, for in addition to having a mid generation upgrade, they rolled out a whole different so, uh, hardware component with a VR headset, something that the Xbox One can't handle right now. So I think that is that. They learned the wrong lesson of more powerful is better. That's all people care about. That's the story here as compared to, no, it's not so much that. The bigger issue is you fumbled your rollout in describing why it was a transformational system 
with what you had originally hoped. And instead, you you botched it, you had bad PR, and the lesson you took from it now is to just be responsive to your competitor. And that's that that's a that's a bad lesson to learn, and I think that that's where they're at now. Right, and when people talk about will the will this system be successful, I think because it, it, they, I don't think the same discussion centered around the PlayStation 4 Pro, because this is like needed. And Microsoft's position in the in the market is such that they really could use a win, right? So I think people are looking at it, will this provide them that win where they didn't with the PlayStation 4 Pro? But it's instructive to look at the rollout of that thing to know like the one thing that's going to make this thing successful is if they come out at E3 or whenever they fully unveil it and they are razor focused on what they are delivering, why I want it as a consumer, you know, why do you watching or listening want this thing and just remain focused on that. Because <laughs> if, if you come out with a clear, concise, like, look, uh, say what you want about the products, whether or not they're to your liking, Microsoft makes a line of products that come out with a razor sharp focus and they fucking sell it hard. They're called surfaces. They kick <laughs> ass at rolling out the, like, the, the thing, the holy grail of all console manufacturers, the Apple style reveal where you just roll out and say, here's this thing. Every little thing about it is exactly what you want, and here's why. This is beautiful. This works exactly like how you want. You're desirous of this. This does this. Would you like to buy this? It's available three weeks from now. Like That's all, these, that's all that they need to do. And they're capable of doing that in the, in the PC space with the Surface products, um, and they have the people that are capable of doing that. But they just seem incapable of doing that with the Xbox brand for whatever reason. Yeah, and again, taking that further, the PS4 Pro, the rollout on that wasn't anything special. I, and I think it it sucked. Like if yeah, I because I didn't I didn't buy one. I bought a Switch. So, <laughs> I didn't buy a Pro. Like that tells Sony, you everything you need yeah, to know. Sony kind of just treated it as, hey, we update your graphics will be better. <laughs> this is just a mid-generation upgrade. This is the that when you go into Best Buy to get your new your new PS4 because your old one has been busted or you're moving it up to the bedroom and you need another one for the living room. This is what you're going to buy. Yeah. So they treated it much, right. they didn't treat it with a strong rollout whereas I think Microsoft is almost selling too hard in some regards on the Scorpio because they're not rolling it out. They do a really strong job at a reveal where they say, this is why this is the thing you need to own, as you just said, Kaz. But in the lead up to it, they're not selling it that way. They're still they're they're missing the boat. They're selling something where they're just putting worthless terms in front of it. Like, what the hell is a teraflop? No one knows what a teraflop is. It's just a number. It's just a number and a term. There's no Neil. I don't think of... you've done enough enough time in the trenches of the great console wars, but teraflops <laughs> fucking matter. You, you, do you even know what a teraflop? You don't even know what a teraflop is. You can't even. Exactly. That was that was his whole fucking point was that he doesn't know what a teraflop is. I was trying to intimate that everyone knows what it is, but in reality. Not many people do. If you claim you know exactly what a teraflop is, I know you don't know, <laughs> right? It's just a bit. It's I just know. A big... I just want you to tell me so that I'll know <laughs> that you know. 
Exactly. It's it's a number. And this is what they're elite and this is their forward messaging on something. Look at how many teraflops we're gonna have. It's gonna be the most powerful system ever. Okay, you're set the second part of that statement there is not isn't bad. It's gonna be the most powerful system ever. Awesome. Why is that significant? Yeah. What things does well, this do? This, Why do I need to own this? That's the ultimate thing the pro whiffed on, right? When they when they launched it. They they never said like they basically just said, eh. We have this, it's $300, and now we have this Pro, it's $400, and it might be nice maybe if you have a 4K TV. Goodbye! Like, that's essentially all they did. Uh, I, I Microsoft can't do that. They have to go further, they have to take a risk, and then, I mean, th- they're in a position where they have to be risk takers, and that sucks, because it, it can fail again. They can miss the mark, but they need to be emphatic when they throw that dart at the board you just hope it hits somewhere on the board for them if you like seeing more stuff from them well i i'll be interested to see if they go and they try to take a risk which i think could really benefit them and they they've been very risk averse so it would be interesting to see yeah i don't think it's or if they just play it if they play very safe but they sell safe real hard they, they would have that'd be a miracle if they can do that this thing's I mean, I boring and barely better, but you need it. And if you leave I going like, I need that. Do, though. They're going to, I think, I think it's very possible that you get the reveal and they talk about the teraflops and they say it's the most powerful system ever. And they'll go and debut we have the- footage from the next Halo iteration. And they're going to be like, look at how beautiful it is on this. All those teraflops at work. We have the most teraflops. We have the yeah, best teraflops. And that would be, and that'll be, that'll be safe. And they'll they'll sell it aggressively using, using IPs that they know work and that will look even prettier than normal or than the current generation. And I, I think that that's more likely than for them to take some sort of risk, some sort of challenge, which I don't even know exactly what that would look like. How, you know, what it, what is that risk? What is that? that challenge when you're selling a new system. I mean, I guess that would be if just some sort of new upgrade that goes with it, that really is transformational, but I, I just don't see that. They need to go get the dude that sells the, sells the surfaces, get that guy and have him (laughs) tell me why I want this thing, because I'll be damned if I didn't really want to justify purchasing one of those studio things, despite the fact that I have zero actual functional use for it. Uh, you know, you when you brought up the PlayStation VR, it made me think there was a an article that got released, uh, sort of commenting on the health of VR as an industry. Because I know, you know, we're all curious in it. We're all looking for more VR stuff. But some of the investing and the capital being invested in uh, virtual reality is kind of troubling because it's down year over year, uh, and it's been down month uh, quarter to quarter. There's there it's a significant drop of almost half since Q3 mm-hmm. uh, investment dollars being put into new VR startups and the number getting funded is dropping by half as well. So it's not it's not just like it's more spread out and the money is coming down because it's becoming more profitable. It's just like straight up less things are getting invested in right now, which I mean, I, I think we've all reached this point where it's like there was a big splash with VR and now we're waiting for what's next. I know we're all 
awaiting bridge commander, the whatever the <laughs> Star Trek VR bridge uh, bridge. I think it's bridge commander, whatever it is. Like that is the thing that will will propel VR to the next level. But there's Clearly. some worrying there's some worrying things going on in in VR, and maybe it's just because none of the invested money so far has come to fruition. Well, is the it was the commentary on that that the investment what, there was less investment going into hardware development and hardware companies, or less into uh, product into uh, software development, or a combination of both? Uh, this would be do 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 do. Uh, it's both investment in hardware and software. Okay, and the only the- and there's a huge aberrant spike in there for the Magic Leap. I guess, or series C or something like that where they, where magic leap got a bunch of money all at once. But I mean, just looking at the trend overall, there's a, there's a turn downwards in it. So I'm not totally surprised by that. I think that the hardware space is getting pretty saturated with, with systems that you can use that are, that are on, that are already marketed. So I'm not surprised to see a slowdown in that because there's, you know, there are brands that are now now known and established. Yeah, I'm surprised by the software to an extent, and I think that there's still a challenge on getting VR into the average into the average American household because the easiest entry point for VR for a lot of Americans is going to be with a with a phone with you know, mm-hmm. for yeah. for anyone that has a Samsung phone. Yeah, Gear VR, I think, is going to be yeah. the most common way people get into that. But with that sort of VR, what's your what's your kind of neat experience that makes you say, this is something that, to use the that word I again, want this more is something of. that's transformational. Yeah. You know, I can throw on the PSVR and I can jump into into a cockpit in, in Eve Valkyries. Um, that's, that's a game that makes you realize the potential of VR the second you get into it. And that's really like, holy shit, I need more of this. But even that's behind a $600 plus. But yeah, it's beyond a huge, it's beyond a huge investment of what? 300 bucks for the system, 500 bucks for the VR headset. Although let's be fair. Let's be fair here. It's six hundred something dollars to get into PlayStation VR, but in reality, getting a new Samsung phone is eight hundred dollars bare minimum. Exactly. It's just people don't have to realize that cost. So you're right. paying eight hundred dollars plus a hundred for a shitty piece of plastic you strap to your face to but get it's also terrible a VR. Sunk, yeah, it's also a sunk cost yeah. with that phone. Well, you need every it. every two years. Yeah, everyone has that phone now, and it. And every two years you're upgrading it. So that's a sunk cost. You're buying, you are just, you have figured into your budget already a sunk cost for essentially what can be a VR machine. But I don't think that there's anything that goes with that that really makes you say, say, this is, you know, this is something that I want more of. This is something I'm going to be wanting to do more with. And part of that also is just the app market that there is for phones. I right. mean, how many times have we talked about when you have when you go to the app store? It's it's just filled with garbage. It's filled with garbage with in store within app purchases. No one wants to pay more, and we have adjusted ourselves this idea of 
I'm not going to pay more than a buck ninety nine at most for something from the App Store. Yeah, it, it's frustrating. So if VR is, I think, banking on that low level entry level experience, getting people hooked into it. It's not a good look. <laughs> it's not I filling st- me with confidence. I still hold that where VR, I think, is extremely underutilized at this point because of how is, expensive is porn. it is. You're right. <laughs> yes, porn. No, I, <laughs> I think from an educational perspective. That's that, what I said. Yeah. <laughs> I think that once you get schools really jumping into into VR, where you have VR headsets available in computer labs and you have this available as kind of a class product. You know, when you go onto Facebook now and you can see the New York Times does a daily 360 video where they go somewhere in the world and you can spin the camera around and you can see these different things in this in a historic spot or you know a really a real on the ground perspective, not just a video, not just still frames, but really you're moving the camera around, you're zooming in and out. You know, it's it's sometimes a live shot. That's really something that's very cool. Going into a classroom where everyone puts on the headset and as you're having that history lesson on a Civil War battle and you're suddenly transformed and you're there and you're taking a tour while your teacher is talking about it, that is an incredible engagement experience for students. Okay, hold and on. Is your supposition here that, that that children would be engaged more if VR could replicate the sheer and utter boredom that I experienced <laughs> on my family trip to Gettysburg? Is that what you're... Yeah. Well, let's, let's look at the broader picture as compared to this... These kids will be hooked story. on virtual learning. But it is true. Like I think that ed- that the education atmosphere is somewhere where you could see a lot of potential for VR. And on top of that, if you have your kid, you you have your kids at school. They're spending their days taking these, you know, doing these really amazing things with technology. When they come home, they're going to want that. Sis- they're going to want that system. They're going to want to be able to do that thing at home, which is going to be driving bringing more VR home as well. So I think that. I don't know if it's a, an issue of that VR has missed the boat with getting into schools, if there is the, a cost prohibitive barrier still, if there hasn't been really outside the box thinking of how do you bring this into these other into these other areas. But I still have a lot of hope for for VR as a field. And I think that there is just so much incredible potential that's not being taken advantage of because we're still thinking of our technology in very, very simplistic terms. And we're thinking about it in the technology we have right now. And basically how do we use the technology we have right now and just throw VR on top of it as compared to how do we work VR into being a new technology that we fully utilize? Well, that's, that's a harder, harder problem to tackle. And it's weird. It's kind of like a horse before cart kind of scenario where you need, the devices out there for people to experiment with them. But at the same time, because it's not being driven by uh, a, a public vested interest, like a government organization, uh, you need desire for the products to justify making them so that people can play with them to make the desire 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's really, I guess, more chicken and egg than uh, horse before cart. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's something to keep an eye on. The health of the VR industry is going to be intriguing going forward. I wonder, and I don't really, I don't have any ex- uh, speculation on this, but I wonder what the VR presence is like at E3. So I think that might be more indicative of the, the health of the market. How yeah. many VR yeah. games are shown on a stage at one of the major press conferences? That's the question. Well, if it's anything like, well, if, if we take a lead from Sony and their examples of, of how they really dive in with their new hardware in the past... I don't expect to see any VR games. <laughs> as many VR games as there are Vita games. That's my prediction. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, oh, McFadden, I know your internet was being a little wonky there for a second. I hope you're tuned in right now because this next news title, this next article is very relevant to you. You good? I'm listening. Okay. I'm, I'm listening. I want your honest reaction to this headline. Nintendo is discontinuing the NES Classic in North America. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I, we talked about uh, it last time. I, I, wait, <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, my, more reaction. My, my, honest, my honest reaction. Hot take, coming in. Uh, yeah, I, I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> they, they discontinued it about a week before Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently earlier this week there was one last load they uh they jizzed all over Best Buys. Yeah, I was going to say it's a load all right. <laughs> and that was that was about it for the Nintendo NES Classic. It was three spurts. That's what it was. Uh yeah, and one of them got on its chest. <laughs> that's about it. <laughs> no, Nintendo aims for the hair. Nintendo's an asshole. Oh. Uh, but yeah, that's pretty much all there is to say about that. It's just it is a comical headline. It's un it's unbelievable. We just just so you know, right? Oh lord! Followed uh, up by the controversial news that Nintendo has also discontinued the Virtual Boy. <laughs> <laughs> finally, they've made an official statement. I'm glad they finally got it out there. We were all speculating. Yeah, uh, maybe really wait for that next shipment of Virtual Boys. <laughs> Oh Lord! Do you think they're going to do no deliver? So everyone's everyone's saying, oh, there's a chance they'll either do an NES Classic two, uh, or there's a chance they'll do an SNES Classic, a similar version but with the Super Nintendo. Do you think? Okay, do you think they'll do either? And then, do you want I like? Do you want them to, or do you just want them to stop? I, I mean, I would just say stop at this point. It's pretty clear like I, they're I, not gonna yeah, do it right. Right. I, I don't want them to like put any time into developing something that ends up being extremely flawed and impossible to get a hold of. Like I <laughs> The free uh, market equivalent so of a what you're cock saying tease. is you don't want Nintendo to ever release a system again. <laughs> well, so I was gonna say I was gonna say we were discussing prior uh, whether or not I would get a switch before Kaz gets his second one. And now I think the new over-under is, will Nintendo discontinue the Switch before Kaz gets a second one? <laughs> and I don't know. I don't know what you take, the over-under on that one? It's, it's yeah, I don't. It's a tough one. That's a tough song. Because they're you know, cagey, I Nintendo. Said, you won't get a, I said, you won't get a Switch by the end of the year, another one. 
but Nintendo might discontinue it by the end of the year. I you you never know. It's just a, it and well, you won't know because they won't say anything until three months after they clearly discontinue it. <laughs> So it'll be hard to determine right. when that happened. Yeah. Uh, I do uh, have. Right. Yeah. So I... sometime next July, Nintendo will release a press <laughs> statement that says, oh, oh, yeah, we discontinued that back in May. Well, I'm waiting for them of, to... of 2017, though. <laughs> they're like... going to they're going to they're going to say in in September of this year, they're going to say, oh, you didn't know we discontinued the 3DS, the new 3DS. <laughs> Right, because they were like impossible. No, to that find. happened already. That <laughs> happened. We just haven't learned about it. Yet. Yeah, exactly. That's we'll already find, done. We'll find out later this year about that. November 2016, Nintendo new 3DS XL is discontinued. <laughs> Although they tell us that in October 2017. Right. Uh oh, there is good news. I mean, can you get switches any still? Are they still sold out everywhere? Uh, they've apparently they've come back in stock a couple times at different locations. But and, then immediately oh, sold and out. Uh, yeah, they're still selling out pretty hardcore and right. uh, uh, controllers and pro controllers are readily available. Oh, OK. So. For the Wii U, though. No, no, no. For the switch. <laughs> OK, you can go walk into any <laughs> store right now and buy a switch control, a pro controller. OK, so uh, so I did do but that. Not, but but the, not yeah. Yep. OK, no switches. Great. Right. Uh, in other news, in good news. I'm actually kind of excited for this news. I, I, it came out of nowhere. I think this was a thing that people that people knew was happening, but I didn't know exactly what it was. Um, but the announcement came out in like a final launch trailer for NBA Playgrounds, uh, which is a highly stylized uh, NBA Jam clone, essentially. <laughs> so that's going to be coming out next month. I think it's coming out for most consoles. I think it's out what, on almost it, everything. It NBA Did you say NFL? No, oh, NBA. NBA Playgrounds. NBA Playgrounds. NBA Playgrounds. Yeah. This is this reminds me of NBA Street. It is like what, a it's a like NBA Street. Mm-hmm, it's high it's street and jam kind of pushed together. Uh but it looks more like mm-hmm. NBA Jam to me. It's two on two, high flying maneuvers. You got your your teams of two battling each other out. This is just a couple presidential, vice presidential two on twos. Away from just being more NBA Jam. Well, when am I going to get my Arch Rivals reboot? That's really what I'm. Arch really Rivals. What I'm are Arch? you not? Are you not familiar with Arch Rivals? What is Arch Rivals? It's, yeah, it's an old. So uh, it's an old arcade game. Uh, they ported it to some some consoles back in the like Genesis SNES era. Uh, it's basically like a precursor to NBA Jam, kind of. But instead of a turbo button, you have a punch button. And <laughs> oh, is it is it basketball uh, or is it boxing? Yeah, yeah, no, no, it's basketball. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, it, you dribble with one hand and you punch with the other, and it's great. You can just run around. The, so the fun thing was that you could hold the punch button down, and when you released it, your character would punch. So you would just run around dribbling with one hand and the other, like cocked up by your shoulder, <laughs> when you held the button down, <laughs> so that you could punch faster. It was pretty great. Uh, yeah, it, it was along the lines of, um, like those mutant league games and like that sort of, so that sort of if style. It, if it or had a if real, you remember, if you remember pigskin, yeah, was like, it's like half rugby, half football, but like you could like get weapons and there were like death traps and stuff. 
So it was like that, but for basketball. So this it should have just been called Bill Lambeer's Basketball. Yeah, I don't understand why <laughs> like those games ever really went away. Those were my those were I felt like the most enjoyable sports games because they added something to the sport that you could never get in real life. You know what I mean? Yeah, the like, blitz, the blitz style things, all the midway sure, sports. Blitz, well, blitz and jam. Sure, but those were still like semi-realistic. Like you still played with like actual rules ish. Oh, you but mean with, like, you mean fully I mean, unlicensed mutant- garbage? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean like mutant league football and mutant league hockey, where there were like landmines and like you you could call a play that would assassinate the referee or something. Like it, it's just like complete nonsense and shenanigans. Where <laughs> it was like robots versus orcs. And shit, like that was great. I, I love I, those games. There doesn't seem to be a space for a lot of fanciful stuff anymore. No, McFan, or like I Robo Baseball. That. There was that Robo Baseball game on Nintendo. McFan, the cover for this game is phenomenal. Which which one? <laughs> for Arch Rivals. Oh yeah, it's great. It's super great. Yeah, with the, the mohawk and the guy getting punched in the face. <laughs> He's getting punched in the face, and one guy's getting like. Just a boot up the ass? What is going on? Yeah, 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 man. That's exactly... It's Wait, it's, it, it's three it, pixels it, it I can't actually see. It delivers exactly what it promises on, on the cover. <laughs> I'm so disappointed I never played this. Yeah, it was great. Well, if you're if you're so inclined, take a look sometime at the NBA Playgrounds uh, game gameplay trailer or something like that. It's it's essentially just NBA Jam, but uh, I don't know. I'm kind of digging it. So it comes out even for the Switch. So I'd actually consider this like NBA Jam on the Switch would be actually a good case for its portability. Yeah. So it's got that going for it. Man, that is a disgusting picture. Arch Rivals <laughs> is not a good look. It's a uh, it's great gameplay, though. I, it wasn't. It wasn't good gameplay, but it was a fun game. Yeah, back in the day, games weren't always good about weren't they weren't all big on good gameplay necessarily. Right, yeah, no, that like it handled poorly, but it was still silly enough that it was fun. I mean, in those cases where it's seriously one-on-one right at the arcade cabinet if that's the implementation or mm-hmm. controllers at home might have been it, two on two. It doesn't matter been. if it's bad controls and bad gameplay as long as it's bad for everyone, it's fair. Right. So that it can become blood sport in real life and in game life. Yeah. Um, Speaking of blood sport, I've got to throw this out here. I I've tried to pitch this multiple times to different people, and I don't know what it's going to take to get people who are genuinely not interested in shooter type games to be interested in player unknowns battlegrounds. But let me try and pitch it to you. Oh, is this a first person shooter? It's a third-person shooter. Oh, third-person. That okay. can go first-person if you want. Okay. You can switch to down the sights, which is actually helpful when you're sniping. Let us let me back up and tell you what this game is. All right? This game is a game where you jump onto an internet server with 99 other awful human beings. Okay? You, you're roaming about in a little preloading area, stabbing each other in your underwear. Because that's all you have is just underwear to start. When the game starts, all hundred of you vile miscreants are loaded into a cargo plane, which flies a random straight line path over an island, a nondescript Russian island. I don't 
know if there are Russian islands, but this one is one. Uh, at any point over the island, you and the other hundred people can elect to jump out the back of the cargo plane with a parachute and your underwear. Uh, you drop down onto this island, which has some uh, uh, old buildings that are abandoned and abandoned airfields and abandoned hangars. And it's all littered with guns and frying pans and sickles and knives and crowbars uh, and cars and gasoline. You all land with nothing. Uh, and then the last person living wins. <laughs> <laughs> so it, he, this and this doesn't immediately sound appetizing, but the first three minutes of this game is the most intense multiplayer action I have ever played. And it's kind of addicting because what happens is you all sh just get shit out the back of this plane randomly as you're all jumping out and you f you aim your corpse, your soon to be corpse at a location on the island that you think will be okay. When you get close to the ground, your parachute pops, and this affords you a couple seconds to look around, and you see that uh, there are seven other people parachuting down into the group of three buildings that you're converging on. And now that you hit the ground, you have to run and find a gun so you can shoot those other seven people before they shoot you. And so it's a mad dash to find a weapon, find the right ammo for it, load it up, and murder them. Okay? Mm -hmm. it's intense as hell yeah I mean it, it sounded appealing when I saw your initial message about it it sounds very Hunger Games-esque yes it is actually it's based on uh, the Japanese movie Battle Royale I guess it's a series of modes a lot of the like the H1Z1 uh, the, the oh god the Arma 3 mod that came uh -huh. out the zombie focused yeah. one. So this, I guess has been a game mode that got modded into those. Uh, but this is the best implementation of it. And it's its own separate uh, early access game on steam. I was going to ask if, if this sounds a lot like whatever the, the Arma three yeah. zombie mod was, I can't, I can't think of what that's called. Though. I don't know why I can't think of it. It is like Z Z one or something because they, uh, they, they all had isn't, similar. Isn't it Daisy? Daisy? Daisy. 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 That's what it is. There it is. It's it. This game functions on that same thing where it's scavenging, but it's not like Minecraft where you're getting resources and building buildings. It's just like find, find a fucking knife and some <laughs> like grease and go get in a tree and wait for someone. Like it's it's you can't actually do that necessarily, but you can find like a ghillie suit and just hunker down with a sniper rifle in a field and pick people off as they try and run to safety. Oh, I neglected to mention that uh, after the first five minutes of the game, the 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 game will restrict the space on the island down to a circle half the size of the island and place the center point of that circle somewhat randomly. Uh, and within three minutes, you need to get to the that circle or you start dying if you're outside of the, the zone. And then every couple minutes, it'll shrink the size of the circle. And it's a huge island to start. And you can land on one corner and have to get to the other by the end. And you essentially creep through towns, you know, wondering, is there someone waiting upstairs with a shotgun to blow my head off? When I walk into this building, or am I going to be able to get a couple bandages, heal myself up, and then sneak to the next little village? And, like, the other key factor in this game is that every door starts closed, and you can open and close them as you come in and out of buildings. You actually get to choose if you want to leave the doors open or closed as a strategic mm -hmm. maneuver. Mm -hmm. 
right? Because you'll come up on a building and you'll see the doors are all open and you could just can assume someone's in there and just keep moving. But if you close all the doors and hide upstairs, that's how you get your first three kills. That's how I found out. <laughs> just have a pile of people. And do the sound effects are all fairly, uh, fairly loud. So the gunshots reverb way across the, the valleys of the island. And mm-hmm. just gunfights will either bring or repel people depending on what they're looking for, if they're looking for a fight or not. And there, there will be times where you'll be sitting in a building thinking someone saw you because you started hearing gunfire and you realize there's a, a maybe someone was shooting at you, but now there's two people that were both shooting at you shooting at each other and then one of them will kill the other and you'll get away scot-free. But you'll just be hunkered down in a building with your heart going 120 beats a minute. As you're, I mean, it's literally... Yeah, there I, are terrifying aspects of this game where I'm, I was... I got to top... I was the third... Uh, to last person to die I got to number three and yeah. f- from like 20 down my heart was pounding in the back of my head I could feel it it was so intense sure I so it sounds good it sounds intriguing I worry that this is the type of thing where like I just start to think of ways to make it better that never actually make it into the game has it been patched yet, or have there been like updates to um, it yet? So far, they've done they've done stuff every week. So like uh, the frying pan, which is just a big cast iron skillet. Mm-hmm. Um, weapons that are melee weapons, you can only have one. When you're not wielding them, they sit on your back. And somebody mm-hmm. in the early access said like the frying pan should stop bullets if it hits the frying pan, and so they just sure. patched that in. So okay, like, so it's like little tweaks here and there. There, they're so doing little I- stuff. I'm, I, what I would really just like is if they went all out and made it like legit Hunger Games where there are traps built into the environment. <laughs> well, that, so it's it's going to be modern. I mean? like, it's going to be modern supported, but I bet you someone will do that. But yeah, I, I it's one of those things where awesome. or yeah. if like instead of instead of just like randomly picking a circle on the map to have like environmental things. So like in the second Hunger Games how the island had, like, different zones that had different sort of... Um, oh, like traps and, and shit. Right, like yeah, but I, I don't want traps, but, yeah, like, hazards, right? Like, environmental hazards. Like, one would get flooded every so often, or, like, one would get, like, run over with, like, bees or something like that, and, like, it, just, like, that kind of thing that you have to, like, also be aware and afraid of your surroundings while you're trying to, like, hide, but then to also... You know. well, yeah, so I didn't elaborate all the things. They don't have that stuff, and I don't know if they ever will. Um, this this is one of those weird things where it's like the game that it could be in your imagination will probably always be better than what it ends up being. Does it tell, many, does it tell you how many people the last person killed? Uh, no, right? So right now it tells you like how many people are alive, and then at the end it'll tell you how many people you killed. Okay. Uh, but it's it doesn't have like a lot of good leaderboards. And then once you die... Right now, unless you're playing with a team, which, by the way, you can play with twos or fours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, unless that. you're playing with a team, you can't uh, spectate once it's over. Mm-hmm. But Uh-oh. they added spectating for teams, so one would think they may let you watch the end of the match if you choose in the future. But they just I'm, haven't done it yet. I'm conflicted on the spectating thing. Like, I, I get why you would want to, but I also like the idea that you can't because that lets someone who comes up with a unique strategy continue to use it 
until it's just dis- actually discovered. Well, and they they also like you know with the I amount mean? of people that are streaming it. Th- there's also a lot of weird shit that goes on nowadays where like if you have a thousand followers and one of them's in the game with you and then dies, they can help the streamer like give them advice or something like that with the spectate mode. You know what I mean? Okay. Like there, there's yeah. I think that's why they chose not to do it at first. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that. It, the the being able to hide your secret strategy is another nice aspect of like a nice result of that. Yeah. Well, so I I would just be curious, and the reason I asked about like the death count for the survivor is, I wonder if there are people that are winning that choose to just hide. Oh, uh, um, yeah. So uh, I don't know that for sure, but I can tell you one thing. Um, I have killed seven people in one round, which is actually a pretty baller amount. And I made it to 24th. Uh, the mm-hmm. time when I made it to third, I didn't kill a single person. In fact, right. I, so, I only engaged with one person and they I got them stuck outside the circle and they died to the circle. Mm-hmm. So, like, it, it is a incredibly viable strategy on in the solo queue to to mm-hmm. avoid other people. And if you're just yeah. good at casing places and like sticking to the right areas and like, you know, grabbing stuff off the corpses left behind. Uh, that's a really good way to make it far into the game. Yeah, that sort of harkens back to the Hunger Games, more Hunger Games talk, but like with the idea of like there were people that were really good at like hiding or camouflage um, and just sort of like biding their time versus like the other, there were other contestants who were like really good at just like hunting people yeah, and combat. murdering. Right, yeah. Right. And so like, I think that's interesting. Dude, I, I want them to be able to stream these and then the viewers can like support people. Right? Like the I, I think that's, <laughs> so that's just another... like straight up hunger games. Well yeah, no no, but that that's <laughs> yeah. a cool thing. The, like uh, the idea a, a patron what, what can send a care package. Yeah, a well, patron that's So there's two things the there's games, two they things they have they have two things implemented that are kind of Hunger Games esque where well I guess it's also from Battle Royale. Uh randomly a circle on the map will be marked red and then a bombing run will go over it. And so get out of that okay. circle. Yeah, so, yeah. They, so they they have the, like the makings of some of the, the hunger Games stuff in there. And the other thing that will randomly happen is sometimes the cargo plane will take another run and drop uh, packages on parachutes out the back and wherever they land, they usually have high level weapons and gear. And uh-huh. so everyone can see it fly overhead. You can hear it. Um, and see the package drop, and then you can like, you can set up on a ridge over the package and try and snipe the people that go for it, or you can try and get the package. Like, uh, uh, it, it creates some cool stuff, and like the fact that they have that stuff in there just does lead you to think of all the things they could put in there. Now, will they? I mean, it's a thirty dollar early access game, right? Mm-hmm. This this mm-hmm. is my the the modders player unknown, hence player unknowns battlegrounds. Right. And they just sold millions of these in the past week. Mm-hmm. Millions. So this person now has, give or take, $30 million to finish this game that, you know, a small team was doing of like one well, or whatever three percentage people. you get, I guess. Yeah, whatever, Skype, whatever or, uh, you get. Steam. So even if it's half, even if it's a, a third, now they have $10 million. Like, what's the incentive now to finish the game other than pride, right? Like, this, yeah. this is, frequently happens with these games when they get super big is that it creates this weird case where well, I don't know if it'll ever get finished because they've made their money. You know, right. like, they don't stand to make much more money if they finish it. It's kind of weird. And it's, 
it is an independent game. It's not just like a mod on top of something else. It is a yeah, it's an Unreal Engine independent full game from I mean it from the ground up as far and so far as it's just Unreal Engine four. In fact, like it'd be really cool if this game would come to consoles, but like that would require even more development. So we'll see if it happens. But yeah. Damn, it's cool. I want to play a match right now. So, well, this, this it's so stop. intense. This type of game and the the was a Daisy. That was those are games that would be awesome for console. And there's nothing really on console like that right now. Oh, I forgot to tell you. Here's why they're not on. Here's why this game is not on console. I forgot to tell you the most important feature. Uh, it's janky as fuck. <laughs> like, <laughs> I got a GTX 970, which is the the enthusiast tier of graphics cards from the last generation, uh, and I barely can run this game like it's not well optimized you need to have a pretty baller computer to make it work on a high graphics setting um they did just balance it such that you can't turn off the foliage which was like a huge advantage to run the game with sure. like no grass uh so they, yeah. they got rid of that so that makes the, Wait, the, what mi- was the what was the thing that you should do in csgo like wireframe mode or oh some yeah shit? you'd crank the you would do it like in windowed and you'd crank down the resolution because it gave made it easier to see the hitboxes yeah like the, there was people there were people Fucking doing bastard. that <laughs> they got rid of <laughs> they got rid of that the downside is the minimum yeah. requirements are now tougher because like they yeah. it's more graphically yeah. intense so um, so that's why these games never make it out is they, they are janky. They're the pc of PC games. Like these are hardcore PC games where nothing works. I've yeah. crashed like three or four times. Um, but, I, but the heart pounding pulse racing action, uh, I like, don't care. I don't care that it happened. It's that much fun. So if you're interested, if that got you at all interested in either player unknowns battlegrounds or in the the imaginary version that we started talking about like the the perfect version that may never exist like it, it's worth checking out on steam uh there's lots of people streaming it you can watch tons of videos to see exactly what it looks like and you'll know pretty quickly if it's your jam um but i really want to try it with like a squad of four people and just go like you like case buildings and like, shit, I got nine millimeters. Anyone got a nine millimeter? They need ammo. Oh, here's the nine mil. Like, oh man, just the cool shit. It's cool shit. <laughs> so equally, so there's the, I described this game, by the way, to uh, a, a coworker who's got kids that are almost my age. So, you know, someone that's 60 plus years old i explained it to him and he looked at me and he was like no wonder there's fucking crazy murderers out there (laughs) like i I literally i was like the best part about it is these other murderers are gonna murder you so you gotta murder them first it's like i i can't explain this game without sounding like a wanton psychopath whatever every time i've watched a video of it i think that everyone that's playing it is a wanton psychopath (laughs) uh i will i'll I want to leave it there. I did want to, I know you offered since we're getting late to not talk about it, but I do want like the opening of what is Blackwood Crossing? Yeah. So on the complete opposite side of the spectrum from player unknowns. Yeah. There's no segue between these two. There is no segue. There is no sort of middle ground. These are very different experiences. Um, 
I would say Blackwood Crossing is the second game in my depressing triptych for the first half of the year, uh, starting with starting with um, Night in the Woods, Blackwood Crossing, and I assume finishing with what remains of Edith Finch, which I'll be digging into in the next couple days. But now, are all three but, of these games out? I know Night in the Woods and this is is that is the what remains of Edith Edith what is it? Edith, Edith Finch. There okay. We go. Uh, yeah, I think it came out this week. Okay, and these um, are these are all available PS4, uh, Xbox One, what, PC. Something. What like is that. it? Uh, the first is on PS4. Uh, Night in the Woods is PS4. I only I think, okay. or I think it might be on PC also. Um, Blackwood Crossing, I think, is on all the systems, and What Remains of Edith Finch, I think, is just on um, PS4. Okay. But Blackwood Crossing, it's um, a cool little uh, narrative game. It's in some ways it feels like a walking simulator. There's some really, but there's some real simple puzzles that go along with it. Uh, just to kind of drive the narrative along, but they're definitely secondary to to the game. But it's overall, it's about a an older sister and a younger brother. And um, I'm trying to think of how to describe it even without going into too much detail, too much plot. But kind of kind of a coming of age story, but kind of also um, how the two of them are interacting together, where there's an age difference and some other differences between them and you play as the the older sister uh scarlet um and it's it's a really just neat little game it it'll it take it's about three hours long so it's like a perfect narrative game it's very tight very concise uh and it definitely will pull at your emotional emotion at your emotional heartstrings because it's about these two it's about Scarlet trying to take care of her brother. Um, it's about life and loss and kind of learning to cope with some of the narrative aspects, some of the things that happen throughout the story as you're also trying to unravel the mystery on exactly where these two are and why their story is taking place. Um, well, so it's, it's very it looks different than I expected from the description. It's like claymation-y almost. Yeah, it's kind of the really pretty bright color, bright colors and bold colors, and um, it, you've like a almost like a Saturday morning uh, cartoon, which makes it just a very pretty game and gives a very pleasant look to it for at points what can be kind of a darker story or sadder story, uh, which which is a kind of a nice nice dichotomy, and again that that three hour time frame is like, this is a perfect, um, a perfect game to kind of bang out in a few hours and have a really fulfilling experience. Uh, the mechanics on it are not, not the best. <laughs> it's, um, it's more story than game. Would you say? Yeah. And the, 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 the puzzles that go with the game wrap really well into the narrative experience because the dialogue's good. Um, the voice acting is done pretty well as well, but just moving your character around and moving the, the cursor around the screen, it's very, very clunky. Your character just moves very slowly throughout the game. You have to be very precise in 
where you put the cursor to make sure that you're interacting with the correct object or that you can interact with an object. And some of that's by design. Some of that is the designers want you to, I, I get the sense rather, the designers want you to slow down and take more time with the environment and take more time like letting the language that's coming at you really sink in but they don't want you to rush through it especially since it's a shorter experience but it can just feel like it's chugging along sometimes and there's you lose a sense of urgency when it comes to some of the some of the areas where you you something happens and you're like oh god i gotta move with this i gotta do this thing now and you your pulse is kind of up and you're really into the story and then you have this character that just chugs down the hallway super slowly yeah. and it takes away from things a little bit and i mean that's i think that it's it's another example though of you, game designers are doing a lot of really neat things with narrative structure and stories um in games but it's hard to find that balance between a really affecting narrative and fun mechanics. Like this is not a yeah. game. I wouldn't well, say this so here, is a game that you're playing for any sort of fun game experience. This is something that you're playing because you want a very cool narrative. You want you want a strong female protagonist, and especially I think anyone that has a younger sibling is going to go into this game. And you're gonna, it's gonna really tug at your heartstrings. Yeah. Now, the this the only problem here is, I'm now required to ask you for the comparison that I will use for <laughs> all narrative-driven semi-puzzle games. Uh, is this as good? Where is this on a scale of one to oxen free? Oh, I mean, it can just completely different. I mean, but that's um, so they're they're very I'm sure they're different, but in ex in terms of execution, <laughs> right? Like the there's a there's a completeness of the execution in Oxen Free. And a lot of the narrative driven games fall short of that in one respect or another, whether it's the voice acting or the story or the you know, the gameplay portion of it or interacting with it. It's hard to give that comparison though, because Oxen Free is a story while you're playing a specific character and her experiences and a lot of the story revolves around the loss of her brother it, you're also unraveling this miss this 1980s-esque ghost story on a haunted island and you've got this weird sci-fi aspects to it as well and it's a bigger story right whereas with blackwood crossing it's a very small story there it is just the the story is the story of uh, of Scarlet and her brother Finn, and it's just very very small that way. Um, the kind of the best comparison in some ways would be uh, I don't know if you I don't know if either of you have seen this. It's an old Twilight Zone episode that was also in the Twilight Zone movie in the eighties, where there's um, there's a kid who has like mystical sort of powers that you can just kind of control the world and um he he's a kid so he doesn't recognize the full extent of his powers or he doesn't have that control he doesn't have the the emotional sort of experience and 
it helps to understand exactly what he should be doing. And you know, the, he ends up, you know, just destroying the world around him just because he has no, he doesn't know better than to do that. And it, it, that doesn't it sound being, like an allegory for anything, <laughs> but it's it, at the end of the story in, in this twilight zone episode and in the movie, it's an older character that helps, that helps protect him and shows him love and he grows and he's learns kind of the restraint and, some of the aspects here in that it's a very small story where you have these mis- these fantastical elements and there's something going on clearly with uh, with Finn and he has control and power over this world that it's set in, but it's not clear why he has that power, what he's doing with it, and what your role in it is in it. And you're trying to... It's very much this emotional story of you're dealing with your brother's emotional health and how do you protect him as well as at a time period when the, when you, your character is kind of on that cusp of adulthood, whereas your brother is still a child and navigating that change. So it's a very small story and a very personal story um, that I think people that have a younger sibling especially if it's a sibling of a number of years younger can kind of identify with, but there are these fantastical elements that are mixed in with it as well. So you're enjoying it overall. Oh, I enjoyed it. I, I mean, Oh, I, you already I, finished it. That's right. Yeah. It was a, again, um, it is the perfect time frame for a narrative game. It was three did, hours from start to finish. And I did verify it is on PlayStation, uh, PC and Xbox. Uh, the <clears throat> What Remains of Edith Finch and Night in the Woods are PlayStation and PC only. So, just in case people yeah. were curious, it was it was a game that definitely kind of pulled at my heartstrings. And uh, my wife, who played some some couch co op with uh, while with me, and she has a a younger brother, and there's you know kind of an age and um, experience gap. And it was definitely a game that she actually stopped watching along with because she said that this is, she had read ahead a little bit and, and knew some of it. And she said, this is like, this is going to be a game that's going to make me really sad. <laughs> so it is, it's so, going to, it's filling out its position in the depressing triptych. Yeah. It's, it's filling out its position in, in the triptych. And I think really what's, What's cool, though, again, I, I keep coming back to this time frame, and you know, I think with these narrative-driven games, where it's you know not the standard telltale, you know, you pick a you pick a, a a dialogue tree over the course of five episodes and fifteen hours, but something where it, that's a little bit slower, a little bit smaller, um, something like this, something like everyone's gone to the rapture that a smaller time frame and really making it a more driven, smaller experience is a lot better than trying to make something where you just have a lot of unnecessary choices and you have unnecessary puzzles. And I think that the, that a small, I think a smaller game and in these narrative experiences really that I, I want to see more of that. I want to see more of these, kind of intense emotional narrative stories that, you know, you can do in one setting. It's not something where you get up and you come back to it a few days later, but you just, 
you sit down and you you just finish it like you're watching a movie. Yeah, it's it's hard to it seems difficult to fit that all the way down into the two hour range where a movie would reside. It seems like games have a difficult time getting compressed all the way down and rein their story into that level to get on on the terms of something that you can one hundred percent do in one sitting. So yeah, it'd be interesting think, when we can get that kind of condensed storytelling from a game. And I think they're getting they're getting better at that. And there there are definitely more games that are are playing with this. Another game that this reminded me of that I played, I think, um, two years ago, uh, was The Vanishing of Ethan Carter, where again it was a kind of a there were some puzzles that you had to f- figure out with it, but the puzzles themselves weren't very sim- weren't very difficult, and you ended up really walking around the world a lot, just kind of putting together the story in your head. Yeah, that, I mean that one's that's another one that's on my list of things I meant to get to. Oh, you need to go back and play. You can you can bang that out in a night or two, and it's Vanishing of Ethan Carter was so so good. Yeah, it was one of those graphics powerhouses, too, randomly. Now, I kind of oh, wonder... Was, yeah, it was beautiful. It was an absolutely beautiful well, game. Might, you know what might trigger me to go back and play that is if I ever do li- some sort of light upgrade to my computer. It's one of those, eh, let's see something really pretty on this thing now that I went through the effort. It's, yeah, The, the Vanishing of Ethan Carter uh, definitely... Um, it stands it stands out in my mind as just one of the best games I've played in the past few years and um, in in turn especially in terms of the existential dread sort of game that I, I tend to go with um, it it really stands out I don't know if if um, Blackwood crossing will really stand out in the long term but it it's a lovely little game it's a it's a great it's a great game. Uh, that when you've been playing something kind of intense and you know, so your typical murder simulator, uh, which at the same time I started playing this, <laughs> I, was, I also had, I've been playing finally through Battlefield 1. So this was a nice sort of ch- uh, change of pace. Yeah, I could see that. So if you're in the right headspace and you like this kind of game, it's a recommend. Like you, you know, Absolutely. if if you like these yeah. kinds of games, that's yes. the important thing. All right, I think we've definitely fulfilled our uh, light two hours or whatever we said we were going to take <laughs> our brief hour and a million minutes. Uh, so I think we're gonna have to wrap it up there. Uh, if you want to get in contact with the show, website www.therumblepack.com. Uh, uh, Twitter feed is uh, at the Rumble Pack. You can find us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash the Rumble Pack. And uh, all of us are on the Twitters or playing games or doing whatnot. So uh, you can find us and all of our information at our website. With that, thank you, McFadden, for introducing us to Bill Lambeer's Pugilist Basketball. No problem. Maybe I'll pick up Battlegrounds and we can represent District 3 in the next Hunger Games. <laughs> this is really sad because now, you know what? Like, I really like Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. And I really also dislike saying the full name. Um, but now I kind of like the Hunger Games mod that we made up for it better than the game. <laughs> 
<laughs> See, that's the so problem. I hope, hope it doesn't ruin it that's for me. That's the problem with all game. these fucking Greenlight games. I know, because the, the dream, the dream. I know. And thank you for crushing some dreams with us, Neil. May the odds be ever in your favor. Ugh, yes. All right, I hate us. I hate us enough. <laughs> you win. All right. Thank you, listener, for making this far. My name is Kaz. This has been the Rumble Pack. Game over. Turn green when they see me. This is my world. Y'all can fight to be Luigi. And I grind all night, call it tantric. And every time I sit down and write, I make magic. Pick up the pen and tell them what's going on around my cerebellum. And if you think you're anything more than a robin to my Batman, your skull must be quite thick. Stay silent like sidekicks while I get blackberry bold. Cause shy guys don't get the throne, they get thrown. And what I write is gonna take me where I wanna go. Arthur becomes king like the sword and the stone. And in this game, I'm doing more than holding my own. I'm skipping over all the levels. Warp zone. I want it all. Get some greedy. Wario. And lame saying we, but I don't need two eyes to see that while I run the game, boy, you'll stay small, portable. I made my way to the end.